Hey guys, welcome back to Cindy's Smoke Circle. I am here with another guest on my podcast. Um, first off, the guests are pouring in, and I am so honored and humbled. Uh, this guest is a dear friend of myself um, and Brendan. This is actually Brendan's best friend, Tyler. <clears throat> yes, thank you. If you didn't say it, I was going to say it. No, yeah, <laughs> super excited to be here. No, yeah, very much so. Yeah, buddy. Um, so... We had talked about my podcast before it was even a thing, when mm -hmm. it was just a glimmer and a spark in my eye. And spark in your eye. And Waiting to be... Let's not finish that metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting to just have some love poured into it. We're going to say that. But um, I asked you about ideas and bounced ideas off you. And I, I think I went to you for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Because you yourself are a creative mm -hmm. and you are so creative. I've seen some of your, you know, the plays that you've put on and your comedy and, you know, you've share, shared writing with me and you are just so talented. Yeah. And you're um, too kind. You're too I kind. am too kind. That's you're what too I've been sweet. told. You're too kind to me. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You're such a creative and um, but you're also someone who enjoys cannabis. I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> so my question for you, Tyler, um, where did your cannabis journey start? What were your first? Uh, my first one is like so like straight over the plate. Like you can picture it very clearly in your head where like I was like, I think it was like 13 or 14. A friend whose name for legal reasons will just stay out of it. But he was a dear friend of mine at the age of 14. And one day he just like tells me, like, hey, I got some pot. And I was like 14, so I was like, whoa. Yeah. Keep in mind, for me at 14 is let's do some quick maths right now. That's like. Yeah, it was. I was young. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was like what two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah, two thousand nine ish. Yeah, so yeah, uh, Obama was barely in office, <laughs> and uh, I, he goes, I go, come into your back alleyway, and I come into the back alleyway, and I remember this exact place. There's still this huge tree where there was so much stuff, and he had a bent, you know, like pretty much sure it was a coke can, and it had like the hole in it, and oh, we did yeah. we did that, and we smoked it, and I just remember going like. Hitting it, and I just I look back and I think like my inhaling had to have been absolute trash. Like you Abs know, you weren't inhaling anything. Yeah, I was you were just smoking. like filling your mouth with smoke. <laughs> I had smoked like three cigarettes, and each one was like an event. You know what right. I mean? So like I was like, <sighs> I remember coughing a bunch, and it's so funny because you know that classic tale, and because you started probably at the same age yeah, I did. I did. Uh, so like around that same era, um, I whenever people say like, oh, you don't feel anything the first time, I'm like, you sound like you smoked when you weren't very young yes <laughs> because when i smoked i think i sat in my basement in the dark just like <laughs> contemplating just contemplating not even like going like oh no man just like really thinking because i was an yeah. imaginary kid i think it was just like i was just thinking about a lot of stories and shows and then like my dad comes downstairs and like you ready for dinner and i was like what are you talking about it's like three o'clock he's like it's six thirty, son <laughs> yeah, i was like what yeah. so when people tell me they didn't feel anything and i was like you clearly weren't an undiagnosed adhd child <laughs> it's so funny you say that though because yesterday I had a friend, Cole, who was on the episode before yours. Okay. And Cole was talking about his first experience and said the same thing, too, where it was like, he was like, this is like almost like oh, really? psychedelic. Like, he was like, yeah. when you when you first smoked, you were like, whoa. Yeah, like, you know? I now, as a seasoned smoker, truly don't understand the depictions where it's like Neil Patrick Harris on a unicorn. And I'm like, right. that, what, what, what Never. you're not doing, even acid doesn't do that. Yeah. So let's like chill out. And like, for me, like the, to continue the question of like how my journey was, like I smoked then and there and it was like, okay, I did that. And I was very much at that age of my kid. If I did something once, I never was like, well, here we go again. Like even, a mm -hmm. I think my first alcohol thing was I took a swig of tequila. Like this is before I even tried a beer. Yeah. And that was a so like, everything burns uh, kind yeah. of an experience that I went, I'm good on alcohol and didn't really jump back on it until I was like late high school. Yeah. And pot was very much the same thing where I didn't have more experiences with pot until like high school, late times when sure. it was like, I was with people that had, where it wasn't just like a, guess who got some pot the planets aligned bro like right. and it was just people that go like hey i went to my dealer uh, uh, right so it was just around more and i smoked more and then i wasn't like a uh, purchaser uh like you know actually like going out and having mm -hmm. my own personal stash kind of smoker until college mm -hmm. and then now that's just kind of like molded into like you know the late 20s smoking era you have sure. where we're lucky enough to have like dispensaries and i'm kind of just like yeah dispensaries or dispensaries are dispensaries i don't know like because as a guy that's waited in a lot of parking lots for a lot of time <laughs> I very much love the dispensaries. I can set the minute I pick up stuff. It's 100%. great. 100%. And but I want to touch base on that comment. 100%, yeah. Because as a bud tender, mm -hmm. one of the things that irks me the most is right now there are 
many dispensaries, but still not enough, right? Because it's oh, still yeah. so new in Illinois. So we have a line that sometimes wraps around our building. Oh God, I've seen. I've been in it myself. Yes, I have seen. Got <laughs> some guy good tan that one day when yeah. I was outside. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> but um, one of the issues I, I have often is people waiting in this line, and then they come up and they've waited in the line so long they're that they're just... like bitter and they're like sober so they're like i want my weed now you already said bitter so it's fine (laughs) they're bitter yeah but they get really upset and i'm like as someone who's here more often than i'm at home Mm -hmm. and i have to deal with the public all day the public like if you're gonna wait for a weed man on the street for some dirt weed no right yeah and you're gonna you know whatever i'm sure you're not yelling at that weed man because you're not gonna have that connect anymore you know what i mean so like it's definitely like yeah it's like I still and I have great relationships with those guys, and it's just one of those things where I just know that, uh, and like I've had this conversation with people that still don't do dispensaries and they still like rely mm-hmm. on their guys, and which is totally fine, totally, totally fine, totally. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's just one of those things where I'm the kind of person where I am the kind of like I have a kind of impatience that ranks pretty high in terms of like how I do things. Like I will go what's seemingly out of my way for something if it means I don't have to sit somewhere and wait a lot like if i can expedite a process by being a little extra like i'll be that person and like that's why when people tell me like oh you're gonna pay that like upcharge uh and i'm like i'm gonna be honest man without even a hesitation you know what i mean because it's like i'm the kind of person where like if i'm paying like literally a matter of maybe like 12 dollars on average more than any other deal i would get from someone who's a dealer i'm paying 12 dollars more so that i literally can be at work on my phone schedule the half hour window where I can pick it up. And guess what? If I'm late or if I'm early, guess what's still waiting for me because it was prepped hours. So like, I'm the kind of guy where like, yeah, like, you know, because, because I've also like messaged people and they'll be like, let me get back to you. And then a week goes by and you're kind of like, I don't think he's getting back to me. And he forgot about me. Yeah. And like when, and it's just, it's very a simple algorithm for me to kind of go like, I can either have that person or a staff. <laughs> or a staff. You know, and yeah. it's like, it's not, it's, a, and it's, yeah, and sure, I know. And also, like, it's personally, this is also like another, like, real deep pothead conversation I have with people is that, and that I have this with, uh, like, our friend Matt, who I know would back me up on this take too, where it's like, yeah. what I like about dispensaries is like, yeah, you're paying a little bit extra, but you're also getting it A, you know, you know for a fact that there's no, nothing but the weed as advertised on the computer mm-hmm. what told you is in it and also it kind of makes you moderate a bit a bit more which is a skill that i feel every pothead is you need to constantly put that skill on the whetstone moderation a hundred because like you'll go through seven grams in a weekend and be like what the hell and i know a dude who can make that last a full like two week span with just a little bit of discipline and i feel like when dispensaries are doing what dispensaries do with the surcharge and also just like the exact measurements you're getting and everything it's just a good opportunity to learn that skill a hundred percent and i think like Mm -hmm. for me i feel very lucky to have the job i do because i have a backlog of weed i still haven't smoked and i get a lot of it you know and so but that for my tolerance has been awful because i'm going through weed Mm -hmm. so frequently because it's and it's easily accessible, and I get it a lot of the time. As a worker, you are, have I, a lot of deals, opportunities. Right. It's literally like your tolerance is is just like getting punched in a corner in a boxing, and like wait, wait, please. Right. You know, and that sucks, but like that's why tea breaks are so nice too. It's but. like also for my career though, mm-hmm. I want to know what strains are good, mm-hmm. what was, eh. and of course, cannabis is all subjective. Subjective, right? It's an opinion. I think that's it's the right preference. one of the two. <laughs> yeah, um, but like. My tolerance is so awful. And I do remember I felt a lot. I felt my highs before I started working as a butt tender. Oh, yeah. Were significantly high, higher and mm. more intense than now because I smoke so much now. Yeah. It's you know? hard to keep track of like, it's hard to have like an unbiased take on a strain when your tolerance isn't letting you experience a decent amount of right. it. Right. That could be like a big, uh, like a big like obstacle. That's why I feel like uh, if I was at, like, uh, I would make weird wackadoo rules with myself sure. that would just ensure, like, weird tolerance breaks where it's, like, every other day I don't smoke or yeah. something like that. So that way, like, you know, it's just, or something stupid and try that and see how long it works because it's, like, yeah, now that you mentioned that, you got me thinking about it. Yeah, I if I had to do that because I struggle with the whole tolerance fatigue is probably, like, what I would call sure, it. Yeah. You know, I feel like that's probably a good term. There's probably a medical term out there for, like, what happens when your tolerance is just, like, too high. I think it's just called high tolerance. Yeah, I have a very high tolerance. I think that, you know, even with, like, any type of 
any type of category okay. of cannabis, All right? right? So like any medium of like, cannabis. Uh, so flour, you have oh. carts, you have, you know, extracts, any type. I feel like my tolerance is still really high. Oh, right. Yeah. Like you nothing know? you try is going to hit you different because it's a general high. Like, for instance, right. it's not going to hit you harder if you get a dab pen because it's like it's, you're still just putting it's it's a THC tolerance. Right. The delivery device, which is the word we're looking for. <laughs> there yeah. it is. The delivery mechanism, I guess, if you want to get stupid technical. Oh, it doesn't matter right. because it's all like about how your body gets THC and I, stuff like that. Right. I also feel like when I'm smoking more carts because people don't understand that a dab cart or a vape is literally just a concentrate and you're smoking it. Mm-hmm. And then when you go back to weed, that weed does not test nearly as high as your concentrate. Oh, so yeah. people are always like, this weed is bunk. No, our our community right now is going hard on the vapes and dabs. No, so yeah. now flour is almost like well, yeah. not hitting the same. Well, it's pretty explicit on the on the website because like I even I noticed it where like let's say I look at some flour and I'm looking mm-hmm. at the THC rates because pro tip if you're going on dispensary websites always go to HTHC highest to lowest if you want to have some fun but when you do that you'll look at flour and the highest flour goes is like 32 28 is the average and then you look at dab pens and the percentages are near hundreds 80 90 yeah. percent and like how do y'all not notice that if you're ripping 90 dab pens and you go back to some 28 flour yeah of course you're not gonna feel none right. dude come on that's simple math I know I know you're at a dispensary right now but it doesn't mean you didn't go to school come on bro absolutely so bud tender tip if you notice that when you go back to weed and you are not feeling it the same you need to really consider what other products am i using and what am i using in in excess like carts and dabs are gonna lower your or heighten your tolerance so high that like Flower won't be able to keep up. It's like going to ibuprofen after morphine and go like, this ibuprofen's not doing anything. It's like, yeah, because you've been mainlining morphine, chief. Exactly. So not that's a, a, another drug comparison, but yeah. like. <laughs> but also, that's that's a good comparison. The metaphor is there. Yeah. Uh, but oh yeah, in terms of like, uh, like how pot has played like a role in my whole life, I it's so funny because it's like the higher stress eras of my life the more pot kind of went, hey, champ, how you doing? You know? I'm here for you, buddy. I'm here for you. And it's so weird to have gone through four years of college and then right after college, it's kind of like, hey, remember all those things that you were like... (laughs) Right. Like Tom Segura puts it best where he's like, I'm going to have to tell my kids stuff and they're going to be like, what? Like, I'm going to say, daddy had to get into cars with strangers. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's a Tom Segura bit. Well, like, that's so true. Like, there's like, for the next generation the acquisition of pot is going to be so normalized that it's like the stuff that like we did in like high school in the last like decade or so right. is going to seem like Indiana Jones movies to them. And I think that's super funny. Uh, if you did, if it went that way, like retroactively backwards, that'd be like, daddy had to slay a dragon to get some cocaine in the fifties. I'm just still laughing at the fact that like, you know, if our kids generation, you know, is like, Grandma, you told me that the first time you smoked weed was out of an aluminum foil bowl that you handcrafted. Right. You you pilgrim, well, you know, like. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I think that it's kind of like the same generation that was just like, I never did uh, anything bad. And that's like the same person that like flashed people at Woodstock. It's like it all depends yeah. on what you tell your kids. hundred <laughs> percent. To be fair, they are from the generation where like when you did stuff, it was just lost into the ether. And if some random stranger had a camera that's in a photo album no one's ever gonna see so it's like you know so that's why a very different world i do feel like our uh our laxness with drugs is definitely going to be more like out there because of just the way the world's progressing with like documentation of all of our actions and stuff and but at the same time i also think like how drugs how they've like how the perception of drugs throughout the last hundred years is what you know that whole joke on the internet about like hundred years ago doctors were like you got ghosts in your blood do cocaine about it like that was the medicine a hundred years ago so like with the way pot's going now you know we just might be seen as like an ibuprofen equivalent in like by the time I, our generation i hope so and going off of my my high tolerance mm-hmm. i feel i am a med patient now mm-hmm. so and because i have so much weed i am able to use it more medicinally yeah and even though my tolerance is very very high physical tolerance goes slower i think yeah right? it's i imagine i feel like that but I like, you know, but I feel like it's like any painkiller where it's like you're gonna get you're a tolerance get for the pain. To it. But I think it's a slower yeah. than like the mental high yes. tolerance builds. You know what I mean? Because I still smoke from pain is the main reason why I started smoking more in my life as a sleep aid and pain thing. Because my sciatica pops in and out, and weed is like the only thing that does a single damn thing. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, like 
when I had my, well, I have really bad PTSD. So at night, I tend to sometimes have like night terrors. Mm -hmm. And during these night terrors, I'm dead asleep, but I'm thrashing back and forth. I'm crying. I'm talking like, and I'm replaying traumatic events in my head. And my body is so tense where I wake up the next morning and I'm like... It's like you've been mugged. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. almost like someone jumped me the night before. And like then I'm in pain and then I'm standing all day at work and mm-hmm. it's awful. Oh, yeah. So it's like I know if I wake up, I can smoke a sativa mm-hmm. and it helps mellow out my body, but my mind is awake for the rest of my day. You know, So I'm able to use it more medicinally than I was before. Before it was just for the thrill of it to get high, but yeah, now yeah. as an adult and what we know about it and understanding the strain types more and certain specific strains and how I react to them personally, I've been able to find certain products that help me with my PTSD, help me with, you know, pain and, you know, when I can't sleep because I'm scared to go to sleep because of PTSD, you know, the whole thing. Depression too, like, you know, sometimes like it's, I think like one of the, like one of the things I was going to say, like with as a creative who uses it, like so much, so many creative people are usually like people who are anxiety ridden depressed and all that stuff I agree. and i feel like one be- the one of the most beautiful things the thc pot does is for people whose minds go too fast which if you've been paying any attention to this at all <laughs> i talk very fast i think very fast too fast adhd ridden to death so <laughs> pot always is, is sometimes the only thing that helps me like slow down yeah take a deep breath look at the big picture and calm myself through that yeah. you know what i mean like nothing else does that Nothing. Nothing. Not a damn thing unless a lot of NyQuil at once, but still they need to deal with a lot of NyQuil at once. So that's not what you want. You want pot. It's better. Yeah. And like, uh, and I think that's like a huge part of like why creatives always gravitate to it because I feel like creatives usually have a very chaotic mind mm-hmm. and they use their art to like, kind of like get, kind of like process. And I, I, when I, when I was in therapy, I described like, like writing as like a way to like turn a faucet on in my head right. when it's just kind of overflowing because that way like it's kind of like why I talk a lot. It's like when I'm talking, I'm kind of like adjusting the knob and pot helps me like adjust that knob. <laughs> I couldn't agree more my myself. I'm my brain is always thinking of 101 things. Mm-hmm. So when I'm talking to people, I'm like. I'm having a conversation, but my brain is also like singing a song that I heard on TikTok that's just on repeat. I'm repeating a meme. I'm thinking about what I need to do when I get home. I'm thinking about the text messages I have not responded to. And I get so overwhelmed. Right. Yeah. And so when I smoke, it's almost like one thought mm-hmm. at a time. And it is the most rewarding thing for me because I get so overwhelmed in my sober brain. Uh, because of ADHD, because mm-hmm. of trauma, because of XYZ anxiety, and then being an adult and having, you know, responsibilities, everything on your shoulders. Um, and then working with the public oh, and God. having to work with the public Nothing is sucks worse difficult. Than, work, than working with the public. Yeah. yeah. So it's very like draining. So when I'm able to say, you know what, I'm overwhelmed and I'm stressed and I'm, I can physically feel myself getting irritated and mm-hmm. whatever. And then I smoke and it's just like a wave of like peace. Oh yeah! <laughs> like, oh, this is so great. So, you, you'll relate to this. Uh, so like the I I take uh Kedzie like all the way to get to your work, right? Yeah. And like you know, I I where I live, I'm literally just like a block off Kedzie, so it's kind of just like I just do a straight shot. Ninety five percent of my drive is driving on Kedzie, mm-hmm. and it's almost like I almost want to like do like a camera show of how funny it is that I get so mad driving home from Kedzie because it's just full of slow people, yes. and it's just like it just turns into one lane. There's a whole lot of unnecessary stop signs. I don't want to get into it, but it does work me up a lot. Yeah. And it's what I take when I. I'm driving home from just picking up weed. So I'm just like, when I get home and I smoke and I'm just like, stop signs. You know what I mean? You just like, it's so so magical. It's almost like a switch because yeah, like people who, like the reason, the way I see, like how you said, it's like a hundred things and how it's all one big one thing. What I think pot does is pot gives you that like kind of weaponized apathy where you're able to kind of go like, oh, well, you know, all these things I got to do that were freaking me out a second ago. They're all just moments in the wind. And it's if I can not handle that bad. it. Yeah, honestly, if I start focusing on it right now, it's going to be fine. But like before the pot, you were like, there's so many things. But like when you're smoking, you're, you're like, yeah, out. there's a lot of things. But if we start now, there it'll you go. be okay. And it's like, that's why it's like, it's a good thing. And it has like the drawbacks of how like, you know, sometimes that kind of weaponized apathy yeah. isn't great when you have laundry to do. <laughs> because right. you're just kind of like, if it's only laundry, like if you have a hundred things, you're like, there's a drive behind this. And even though I don't, I've been putting it off because it's going to be unpleasant, but you know, it's going to make it less unpleasant. 
some marijuana and yeah. that way like you know you can do the laundry you can return those emails without having a heart attack, a panic attack because you're like yeah no right and sober you would have been freaking out and it's kind of like yeah and then also like doing something for me this is something for me doing something stoned that i couldn't do sober makes me ha- makes me more capable of doing it sober because it's like well if i can do this stoned right and that's a confidence thing too it I feel. Is. it's like I, I do that all the time where if i'm like really high i'm always i'm gonna leave myself a note saying you matter sober time <laughs> <laughs> dear ty you are so handsome and so funny. Love Ty. <laughs> I think one time I, le- I one time I think I made like an alarm when I was at a party where I was just like having a great time. Yeah. And I just left. I you can name your alarms. And I think I named it. You are loved. You are cared for. You are talented. Drink some water. And now it's just like I saved it, so it's my alarm for every time oh, I have to wake up. That's so sweet. And it though. came from when I was just absolutely just gravel road stoned. Yeah. And it was awesome. <laughs> a stoned me loves me. Right. Like when I'm high. I look at myself and I'm like, you know, what? I'm not a perfect person, but I'm trying and I acknowledge my faults and flaws. And I know I've screwed up things in my life. I know I could be better, but I'm actively trying to work on X, Y, Z. And I feel so much better about my accomplishments, mm-hmm. about where I'm going, about what I've done. It just like feels like, you know, what? everything's going to be OK. You just need a second to take a break. And it gives me for me, it's almost like a meditative ritual where i'm like i'm getting overwhelmed what do i need to do i need to breathe i need to whatever so i'm gonna fill my lungs with a little bit of smoke it's gonna ease me you know ease my tensions and i'm gonna be great you know meanwhile drunk you is like i'm gonna text him yeah you're like no (laughs) absolutely not so yeah you could talk for days about how like at the end of the day like (laughs) i feel um weed's dad could beat the crap out of alcohol's dad every day of the week Uh, five thousand percent oh yeah because alcohol alcohol's dad is like He's not going to be there. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, he's non-existent. No, and then he, he left when he was two. Weed's dad's like, no, we're going to get through this and we're going to do this. I right. Do, it's so crazy because it's like, I, I do truly feel like um, I used to have like this bit about how like stoned you is like your friend that you like hang out with like once in a while, but always is super positive and nice to right. have around. And alcohol is like that friend that you should stop hanging out with, but he always has a fun time. Yeah. So you're like, but I still really have to stop hanging out with him yeah. because the drugs are completely uncomparable. Like it's, it's, it's. It's. Re- I'm not trying to say like really anything besides the fact that what alcohol does to you is like supervillain stuff, while what pot does to you sounds like when the action hero gets injured at the end of the first act and like some forest people are like healing his wounds and that's why he's like survived the de- the near death wound. Like th- that's what those are. <laughs> like- I remember not to throw myself out there, but <laughs> I was hospitalized um, at one point in my life for being super depressed and nearly taking my life. So during this, I was in an inpatient facility. And when you get checked into an inpatient facility, if you do not know, or you're lucky enough to not have experience. Congratulations, you're having a congrats, great life. you're doing great. Um, I remember them asking me a million and 10 questions about me, my life, my daily routine. And when it came down to alcohol, I said, yeah, I drink socially at the time I did. I rarely drink now. Um, And then they said, "Okay, well, what about cannabis use or drug use? And I remember I had to be like, what kind of drugs are we talking about? Because at the time it was still looked at. Oh, it was still frowned frowned upon, you know, so I was like, I do um, smoke weed. And they're like, well, how much do you smoke? And at the time I probably smoked like a joint a day. Right. If Mm. that. So I'd say like a joint a day, maybe a bowl here and there, um, but daily. And they were like mad. I remember them being so mad. They what were like, the fuck? that's yeah. They're like, well, of course, like you're having issues because you're using drugs. And I was like, OK, so during like day groups, we would have conversations where they were like, and, you know, substances are going to be dragging you down. Alcoholism is bad. You know, smoking weed is bad. And yeah, I, I was like, terrible. I would. I would combat that every time. I'd be like, you know what? No, I know in my brain how alcohol is a depressant. It makes me more sad. It puts me in a worse head headspace. And yes, I have been drinking more. When, you know, that got me to this point. I was drinking. We didn't call that one out, but it's fine. Right. Because you probably then, were not 21, I bet. No, <laughs> I, I think I was 20 at the time. So yeah, they're like not cared about the underage right? social drinking. But the fact that you smoked a bit, they're like, <gasps> and you're like, scandal. You what know? the hell? Like, and uh. I remember other people in the group were like, yeah, it's not bad and blah, blah, blah. And this facility was like, no. And then they were trying to say, so messed up. they held me a bit longer because they wanted me to go through like a drug rehab program. Oh my God. What? I wasn't an alcoholic. Yeah. I was just drinking a little bit more 
at that time. I've never been like... I'm more of an alcoholic than you. I should I stay have, the hell away from this place. <laughs> I have never, not once, relied on alcohol to get me by. There was a point when I was 20, I think the year of 2021, I drank like a 2021-year-old, 20, but I still <laughs> never like relied on it or needed it or yeah. you know broke the bank to get it or anything you never woke like up that. next to a dead deer or whatever like no. you're just like little little hangovers hangover yeah. yeah pretty bad hangovers but i've also like never been like like i think i had was blackout drunk like once or twice in my yeah. entire lifetime and that's and, like a good average <laughs> yeah and i'm like i never want to be that way again a good response you know I, not I an alcoholic response i think i've also seen family members yeah. struggle with alcoholism too and i think that that also really put yeah. me in a mind space where I was or a headspace where I was like, you know, I know that when I drink, I have a really good time and I can drink in excess. And I also don't like how that makes me feel. And I don't like how oh, it's yeah. changing my family members into people that are not themselves. <laughs> it's okay. It was just a switch that started a nuke, but we put it back, guys. Yeah. It's fine. Everything's good. World saved. It's Ding. fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're sweating bullets. Really shit, shit, shit. Um, but yeah, I, I, I saw how it changed their lives, and no, oh, yeah, you like know. that's always like every va every reason for not drinking is valid. First yeah. things first. But like one of the ones that like is the most like everyone shut up about it, never say anything is like someone is always like, oh, I have an alcoholic in the family. I'd be like, oh, I totally understand why you probably, I don't even want to drink around you right yeah. now because that's a like that's so like it tears people apart, and I think that is. I know some people that have never touched it in their life, because never even tried that. it because of that reason. Yeah. I don't think I took it as seriously until I saw one of, I, I don't want to put this person on blast. No, you don't but, have to. You're um, person, yeah. And you know what? I have disconnected myself from this person. Mm -hmm. And um, it's it's one of my parents. I'll just say that. Oh, and, funny. you know, I, I love this person. I hope that they're safe. I hope that they're well. But I watched alcohol. Yeah take over a very depressed person and i i feel for that because i myself have struggled with mental illness and i my heart goes out to them but alcohol has done no good in their life and i also saw myself yeah. in them in a, in a way that's also the thing you know? is like when it's someone in your family that's, yeah that hits like a thousand times harder because there's like this almost like fear it's like because i have friends who like have dads that are there's absolute monsters and that's why they're completely straight edge right. and like they'll like literally say that like yeah dude mostly just because right now there's a, probably a ticking time bomb in me inside me with that shit yeah. that i don't want to step on and i'm like yeah you know that's the thing that the, the predispositions are super genetic and that's like why like i know like i like i was saying earlier some people don't even touch it like not once they don't even yeah. try to see if it'll do it they're like not even taking the chance it's at the point now when i do have a drink a lot of times if it's an environment where a I don't feel safe or b I see other people drinking in excess there where they are not enjoying themselves but yeah. they're getting aggressive or it's they're getting binging, bursting yeah, first, yeah. or they're not okay I don't want to drink or I don't want to be around them or b drinking in that environment I do drink at weddings because who doesn't want to drink at a wedding it's impossible not to and if right. it's an open bar it's insulting right by some Italian it's... culture I can't reference it I'm kidding. <laughs> Exactly. But I, I also feel like, you know, in a, a social setting with friends, yeah. I'm more capable to opt out. Or I have been like, you know, what? I'm with these close people to me and they're enjoying a drink at dinner. I will enjoy a drink at dinner. Oh, yeah. um, but it's never been more than that. And I appreciate that because I know I know my tolerances. I know how things make me feel and I'm not going to subject myself to that. No, but. I, yeah, I, I recently had to uh, curve my own drinking because, you know, like we all picked up just wonderful habits during quarantine that totally went away right away. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and, uh, but no, like I recently had to curve it because it was just like that comfortability of like I have a really controversial new drinking rule that like uh, on paper you're like, that sounds terrible. You shouldn't do that. My, but my rule is like I kind of only drink at my house. Mm -hmm. I, when if I'm out at a bar or if I'm out at a party or if I'm just hanging out at someone else's place, I don't drink. Mm -hmm. I drink at my own house. I don't drink necessarily alone, but it's just one of those yeah. things where like if I'm drinking, it's at home because like I feel like I don't like the the chances of a wryness 
just almost instantly disappear because when you're right. at home, you're like, huh, I'm going to lay down. I feel like the only reason people get really messed up at horrible parties is they have nowhere to lay down. They don't. Because <laughs> they they're they like, I guess I'll just keep drinking. At least that's my excuse. I also <laughs> feel like just like when you start drinking, your guard loosens, obviously. Your filter goes away. Yeah. Especially as a woman, too. Oh, I have been in situations where I was drunk and like even like on my 21st birthday, I didn't have a ride home. I was left at a bar in the Sounds city right. and I had to take an Uber home. And the Uber driver was like, where are all your friends being super creepy? And I was drunk and I was scared. I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And he was taking wrong turns on the way home. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's the opposite direction of my house. And I was having a panic attack. Yeah, and that's like, not okay. it's yeah. so, so now because of that situation, I ended up being able to calmly be like, hey, this is not the right spot. I'm feeling yeah. uncomfortable. And then this... You vocalize that right. shit, yeah. But also, sometimes they just do that to be creepy. Like, maybe if I give myself a couple more minutes of flirting. Yeah. It's like, no, dude, you have zero trance. Take a left. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, God. Take a left now. Like, creeper. sincerely, I just... And then that man that was my Uber driver found me on Facebook. What the hell? Uh. And added me and was like, hey, this is your Uber driver from the other night. You know, you wouldn't let me take you out on your birthday night. So what about blah, blah, blah. And I was like, how did he find me? You know, like how being did a woman was directed by me? Stanley Kubrick. I don't care. Like, I, it's so messed up. Like, I, I hear all these horrible, horrible stories, and I'm know. just like, it sounds like it was, it was like written as like a crime, like, and I'm like, yes. oh yeah, true crime, right? Like, Jesus, Nuts. that he looked you up, an Uber driver, an Uber driver, looked like, me up on Facebook. From your information, he got through as an Uber driver. And this dude was not close to my age. He was very much he older. And yeah. I remember him, like, when I was in the car, was first like, oh, you're ending your night. And it was, like, 2 a.m. And he's like, you're ending your night kind of early. Like, we should go to another uh, bar. And I was like, no. And he's like, well, I'll end my night if we can go to another bar. And I was like, I want to go home. I want to go home. And I was so terrified. So like More red flags than a Swedish home game. Yeah. No, and no, then no, I started no. thinking of all those situations where they don't take the hint. And they, no, yeah. you know, and then I'm like, do I have to fight when I'm drunk? <laughs> like, Do I have to kick this Do ass? I have the reflexes for this battle right now? And I was, like, wearing uh, a birthday crown. Like, no, I don't. Not like, a birthday crown. Like, no, yeah, princess. <laughs> doesn't yeah. <laughs> no i but no i but like here's the thing like alcohol like we just had this whole tangent about the safeguards and like scars and explosions and tragedies that can mm -hmm. come from alcohol and one of the truest statements that's one of, it's probably the most blandest joke but it's the truest joke in the world is like you know it was like a meme right this is gonna be the blandest meme but it has the most truth like a dense neutron star amount of truth mm -hmm. where it said here are the victims of marijuana abuse and it was just an empty pizza box <laughs> Because yes. I'm gonna be real, like I never get angrier when I'm high. I get like grumpy, but even yeah. that's like as a comedy person, like my grumpy is like oozed in this layer of comedy, so people don't get like upset by my grumpiness. Yeah, like I'll throw my arms around like a muppet, like, you know, like I'll make just make everyone yeah. know that I'm just trying to be cathartic with my emotions right now, but I'm also not trying to kill the vibe. <laughs> but like, pot like vibes makes, up. But pot, pot makes me do that. Like alcohol will make me go like, why did you say my name was Taylor? I didn't. I, I just I said Ty. But I heard Taylor. Like that's me when I'm like really drunk. But if someone says, like, just call me Taylor. Am I a pretty girl? Like that's yeah. Like, those are the two best. <laughs> Thanks. My favorite moments ever were uh, in like when I when I was doing like the Second City plays and all that. Like I was writing my face off, and I was just like always just like I would love. Uh, going on like a walk in the summer, like smoking a bowl, coming back and just writing like 10 pages of something. Yeah. Because that whole walk was just me like marinating, thinking about it, yeah. really appreciating the colors in my surroundings, listening to some music, letting that music hit. And then I'll go back and do it. And that's what pot's always done for me. It's almost yeah. kind of like hitting task organizer with my chaotic mind because yeah. it slows it down. Because I think that's just like what makes... Uh, anxiety people anxiety people yeah is we're just like a bullet train like we have all these obstacles and the like logic and support from friends and other people's perspectives on the subject but we just don't we just blast right through them because mm -hmm. we're like, da, 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 like, like oh my god i'm freaking out freaking out freaking out and like you have you you've obviously done the thing where like you freak out about something and then like retrospectively look back at it and go like why was i the, 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 me last the, night the solution was right there <laughs> you know it sucks yeah and like i feel like what pot always has done and like it's so it's why it's i always feel so bad because I'll never, like, like say, like, oh, you did it wrong when it comes to smoking pot. I hate those people. I think every brain is a fingerprint. It's different. Some people just don't like what THC does to you, and that's fine. You know what I mean? I'm never yeah. going to be that dude that goes, like, was it an indica? Like, I'm never going to be that guy. Yeah. You know? So, like, I always feel so bad for people who get, like, paranoid 
or like um like sleepy when they when they smoke because i'm always like it's like i get the yeah. opposite it's crazy. i definitely feel like sometimes i am that guy oh that really you said so like and a lot of it is because i feel like people who just started smoking right and they're like i smoked once and i hated it and i'm like do you know what you were smoking though i am an advocate of the of the two try method oh sorry uh, let me get closer to the mic i am a advocate of the two try method that's for you brendan when you're listening to this closely with the editing tool <laughs> i hope you smile are you smiling yeah you can edit this out are you still smiling anyway uh <laughs> love you babe love you babe <laughs> um but i i feel like because sometimes people don't understand the strain types they don't understand what they can do and so like a super anxious person who's like i'm anxious and i want to try smoking weed to help with anxiety and you know they try a sativa like sativas i love them oh they're my favorite but yeah indica makes me sleepy if i'm anxious I'm wired to the point where it's like no return and I need an indica to mellow me out like almost like it's kind of like I get really that paranoid feeling but it depends on the time but now that I'm educated I know if I feel that way what product I can use to combat that whereas if someone's just trying it for the first time and they don't know not all weed is going to give you that same feeling so I like to be an advocate for weed sometimes and say hey let me help you if you want to try it again Mm -hmm. so that way you know how to not have that feeling again. Let's get you yeah. something that would work for you. You know, and I 100%. think like, and, and I try to do it in a way that's like helpful rather than like, like being like, weed is for everyone. Cause no, there yeah, are right. people that truly just can't smoke well, If you have one bad totally experience fine. and you hear someone say like, with like the energy that you were mm-hmm. saying where it's just like, oh my God, oh, it's for everybody. It's just going to make them, it's going to make you seem biased Right. towards how they are feeling because like well mm-hmm. you're a pothead of course you're gonna say it right well, what if i'm just not a pothead and that's why it's always better to kind of like that's why I'll, I'll probably leave the whole like it, you, you what you should try is like this different strain like to you because you have like the certification the job the everything right to be able to do that i'm a schmuck and a blazer so like you know that's why i'm always gonna kind of like be like oh yeah because like the way i always like when the most i'll ever say for that for people who like had like a really bad experience yeah. is i always kind of go like well it, it's a little bit kind of like alcohol in the sense where like if you drink when you're sad it's gonna it's gonna tank you yeah if you're not feeling anything it could break it could make you happy but also at the the end of the day the end point is gonna be sad yeah so like you know you gotta like for pot it's a little bit like that if you smoke a certain thing when you're anxious that's probably what happened and it's probably more the pot style than pot as a whole as a whole but like you know also at the same time I, i always when it comes to drugs i feel like like re- recreational drugs, I'm always going to have to say like, yeah, but at the end of the day, if you go the rest of your life without smoking pot, you're not missing out on like if, if, yeah. if right now at this stage in your life, you're still kind of like, eh, mm-hmm. that's also fine. <laughs> I'm also a really big advocate for if you are curious and you want to try, but you didn't like something, we could find you another product that'll no, be yeah. perfect. You know, a lot of people when they come to me and it's like they're new to cannabis or they're like, I haven't smoked in years. And I remember that first experience wasn't great. What do I do? Mm-hmm. And they should um, be able to approach a bud tender the same way you would approach like um, a doctor's visit. Like I feel. a pharmacist. Pharm- I wanted to you say pharmacist, pharmacist, but I didn't want to misspeak. I was like, Is no, that absolutely. Yeah. You go- when I go to a pharmacist or pharmacy and I'm like, I feel, you know, oh, I have this, you know, a blister. I don't know what to do with a blister. I will literally go up to the pharmacist and say, hey, I have this blister in this area. It's a weird, you know, it's by mm-hmm. my ankle. What should I do? Yeah. And then they're like, oh, recommend this and this and this. But if you don't want to use these, here's these options. That's how I think of my job yeah. for weed. So the clinical like, stuff makes it makes the person so much more comfortable. Right. And that's what you're trying to maximize it because you're not just some person like opening their trench coat saying which one looks good. Correct. You know, you're, you're actually, listen, here's some science to make it much more of a tangible concept because pot for the most part is still 100% synonymous with that friend that's really shady you know because right. like, like that friend that smokes a lot you know like yeah. it's not like like they don't know how these most dispensaries straight up look like like, like a pharmacy it now. looks like it looks exactly like a fucking looks pharmacy like a, like a weed walgreens like a what weed greens no weed greens. the greens the greens is right there it's just the greens yeah. it's just walgreens <laughs> but the green is capitalized so it's like it's a brand but so, no yeah like yeah. that's it's, like you having that 
like legitimacy is definitely the word. It helps. And that's what, what is so much better than like some friend who's a pothead saying, you just did it, did it wrong. hundred <laughs> percent. There's a huge world between. And I think that's the cool thing about my podcast is having different yeah. types of guests on and have explaining different cannabis journeys because solely what I'm trying to do is break stigmas and mm-hmm. really showcase some awesome stoners and what they're doing in their lives because I feel like there's still sometimes a bad you know, stigma about stoners. We're lazy. We're not mm-hmm. doing anything. We're just always getting high. And that is the case. But I don't feel like it's always the lazy part. You no, know, like, no. I mean, it's it's just I think a lot of people who smoked once and they think that's one time experience they had is what the experience is forever. You know what I mean? It's very easy to perceive pot as like an addiction from the outside looking in. Right. If your experience was really intense, because from your perspective, it just looks like we're doing these intense experiences every day when really casual smoking is so casual. It's literally like I know some people who who's pot like they have a bowl packed when they wake up in the morning, but they don't have a cup of coffee. Yeah, and I guarantee that caffeine, uh, that triple shot, 18 sugars, three syrups is doing a lot more damage to your body than that little bowl that guy had in the morning. Yeah, you know 100%. What I, mean? I work at Starbucks. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Well, I don't want to. I don't want to segue into something different. But I do have a question for you. One hundred percent. Hit me. You know, you're a creative. Do you want to tell me a little bit about what you do and how cannabis helps you in the process of what you do? No, yeah. There, uh, one of the main things that uh, that marijuana has always been super huge with with me is like I write comedy for stand up, and writing for stand up is very general. You know what I mean? You have mm-hmm. to find out your style, your voice, and in all the books and all the interviews that like a big comedy nerd like me always says, is the the general theme is making yourself laugh first and then making that tangible for everybody else. Sure. And Pod has always been so fantastic at me getting me in a goofy place. Like today, like I was making a bit where I wanted to just do a thing where I started a show by just going like, hey guys, let's get goofy. And I just pause. And then let that ripple through the crowd. Then I get to the and then I go to the edge of the crowd and go, you know, something like that. Like, let's get get goofy because that's what I like about comedy is it's supposed to make you not like be serious. It's supposed to be goofy, stupid, ridiculous. Yeah. And pots always help me find that place from a writing standpoint. Like when I write something, I have to ask myself, is this actually funny? And if and if I'm cackling at it, pot makes me in the place where I'm ready to laugh. And when you go to a show, you're ready to laugh. You want to laugh. You want to see something that makes you go, ha ha. And pot helps me put me in the perspective of an audience member that wants to laugh. And if I was an audience member wanting to laugh, what would I want to see? Pot helps me really jump into that perspective really well. Also, getting overwhelmed by writing projects is the number one cause of writer's block. You want to let everyone at one point in their life goes like, I want to write a book about something. But like when you think about how daunting it is to get 100 plus pages of something in your head onto a page, you freak yeah. out, you short circuit, you don't want to do it. Right. Pots always help me go like, well, I know it gets to 100 pages in a day. So let me start with pages one through five. <laughs> and sure. tomorrow I'll go five, ten, you know, and pot let me access that line of thinking instead of just getting so overwhelmed that I just like, I don't know, watch Netflix. Like right. it's like. Breaks down the process so it's more oh, tangible. Yeah. It just keeps me because uh, I think. One of the main reasons why not everyone is a creative and why not everyone wants to like do stuff like performing or writing is because of like a little bit of like, oh, I would be bad at it. You know, that's the number one thing. It's like only people who are undeniable keep going with it and keep doing it and then they get successful with it. Like every quarterback has been told you're funny in the locker room, do stand up, but they're like getting in front of a crowd, I will vomit. You know what I mean? Sure. And I think pot has always helped me uh, temper my hand in terms of like, uh, like not running away pots right. always made me crave the stage instead of fear it like stage fright is something every the, the most seasoned performer still has it's just that we like we aren't afraid of we don't let stage fright run the show we let it exhilarate us when we're out there kind of a deal yeah and pot always helps me weaponize my stage fright i think i used to perform a lot when i was younger and probably up until like 2018 uh, or 2017 is when that kind of stopped and fizzled out for me I would love to get back into it. Right. I and I always felt like a rush of like there's no feeling like when you perform mm-hmm. and people enjoy what you do. Oh yeah. You know, the support. Like, yeah. It's, Whether it's, it's friends, such family, a good feeling. Stream. Doesn't matter. Oh yeah. But and then like also perform performing stoned. Uh, I just would, really would like to take a moment because there's only very select ways I perform stoned. Like I don't act stoned right. that's just rude yeah. <laughs> um I, I do a shot before some shows but it's a shot i mean you know yeah. uh, but like no i don't smoke for like acting but stand up i'm almost exclusively stoned all the time sure. because like i'm gonna be honest with you like um I, I, I probably should have opened with this because i think this is another huge thing that pot does for me with stand up is like you like a cop comedian that's up there that's just like 
chill. Yeah. You know, like I've always said this, nothing is more off-putting when a comic says a joke and it doesn't get a good response and they are like visibly like phased by that or mad about that. Yeah. You were like, oh, this guy's lost me. As soon as that happens, because it's like you were rattled by silence. You know yeah. what I mean? And like when I'm up there, like one of the things that, and this is probably like a lesson that I was able to learn because pot always kept me so easy breezy up there. But like I was up, I remember like being up there whenever someone doesn't do a joke, it made me discover Recovery jokes are the best thing in the world. Like having jokes in your pocket for when silence happens. So in case your punchline didn't work, you have a golden never fails back of the pocket. Like my favorite one ever was, uh, it's a twofer. The first one, dead silence, go like, man, my mom loved that one. <laughs> it always yeah. gets people. And then if it happens again, <laughs> you can go, damn it, mom. <laughs> and, see, those jokes are the best. Yeah. Or like or like my other one that I do for like when I'm performing for only comedians who don't want to laugh, it'll, I'll perform and I'll go, hmm. That's how you know a joke really works. And that might get a couple of chuckles. Like, when you can hear the air conditioning. I love it's it. It's a good way because it's like, and I feel I would only have been able to be cheeky and not phased if I wasn't stoned when I'm up there. Yeah. Because I feel like if you take it too per like the, 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 the person you have to win over is the audience. Sure. Not the other way fucking around. Yeah. So like, that's why like, I always say like, uh, whenever I'm up there and I'm absolutely stoned, I usually do my best sets because sometimes I'll throw my whole set around and be like, are you wearing a Def Leppard shirt? with a mustard stain and they'd be like yeah and we're gonna talk about that for the next five minutes yeah (laughs) it'll be the funniest like five minutes i do and i'll be like man it sucked i didn't write a single (laughs) sentence of that darn it but pot makes me because when you're a comedian you're like you are the tool that is used no one writes it for you no director tells you how to act no acting coach says your accent was off like you know it's all 100 you you wrote this in on a bus and you underlined the joke lines and you hopefully remember it and pot which is a lot of things and pot makes it so if i go up there and everything fails if every part of it fails i'm still having fun right i think that's so important i know so many people who probably if they didn't if they weren't potheads they wouldn't be into their fifth or sixth year of stand-up because bombing sober is horrible oh 100 (laughs) percent. when i smoke i swear i become a different person it's like jekyll and hyde yes and when i'm high around other people i literally just become so like open i guess if you should have a term for all your guests and goes like so we have a term here called the jekyll and high effect where jekyll it's all high. is like do you think that you have a jekyll and high effect i do where, okay that's an interesting question for everybody because i think some don't some do yeah and um i i i don't smoke at work but i do know like when i wake up in the morning and i will medicate you know and i'm in a i'm a goofy mood i'm in a good mood and then i go to work right and then i'm working with the public and nothing brings <laughs> it's me such a shitty thing working with the public i work with the public and so oh. nothing brings me more joy than when i'm in a giggly good mm-hmm. mood and i have people who come in sober and they're looking for weed and they're grumpy. frustrated by the process or whatever the case may be yeah and i'm Big just like cat, yeah. yeah like the grumpy brows but like i am able to Oh, yeah. make that fun for them because I am in a giggly mood and goofy mood and I'm just a goofy person in no, general. Yeah. I'm a very you goofy are. person. You're, I feel like what pot does is just, it just like I said, the reason I like it is because it makes me, like I feel, like I said, the best advice, if it's making you laugh, you're on the right path. And that, but that's what pot does, man. It just makes it you, you, the truest you. You're not judging yourself. You're just being yourself. You're goofy. And I think that like, Like, I hope this doesn't give me fire, but like, I am fairly certain in my five years at Starbucks, I have been more stoned than not when I'm behind that counter. And I have some of the best connections ever with people, with people when I'm stoned, because I'm going to be honest, man, if you are going to be a terrible Karen to me, you best be praying I'm high. (laughs) because if i'm not you're gonna have something to tell your husband that he's gonna laugh at (laughs) he's gonna be like he said that to you honey that's kind of hilarious yeah Uh, so dude like i like there's a lot of people who are very thankful that i was stoned behind that counter (laughs) i a lot of my my customers at work tell me are you you should be a comedian you're funny oh my god i always endorse it and i literally all the time like i should do it but i don't know how to create a joke like i'm very much an improv in person thing where my comedy comes from something happens and without missing a beat it's said and then customers are like you're funny and i'm like i can't replicate that no the funniest person the funniest people on this earth are the people that created organically because the funniest things in this world are are worlds i think you can't replicate that's just the saddest 
tragedy of people who love to write comedy is the, and that's why a lot of things are just like stories that happen in real life and you just sure, kind of translate yeah. it and I totally get that and it's always so frustrating because like I, I know so many people who are like just so infinitely more funnier than me and I always tell and like they're always like yeah I can never do stand up and I'm like good you put me out of fucking business <laughs> you know like for selfish reasons like thank you Griffin you you're all like just genuinely funny but I know that like I would never want to steal the joy of it like I know comics that go up there and they never write they improv Connor recently he's just decided yeah I don't write anymore <laughs> but at that, at that point off, yeah. when you've done it for so long and you feel confident no, you right, can yeah. go up there and you can just like rip on a crowd and that's great <laughs> to be fair to saying Connor spent his career thus far with written material is yeah. being extremely generous but like he's the reason he does all improv now is because he was like writing nah right. you in the front row <laughs> And, and I, you could probably go far with that too. Just saying. I can definitely vouch for Connor in that sense because I've seen him perform, <laughs> and you guys are both hilarious. And but in your own ways too. Like I feel like Connor is very crude, but in the most hilarious way. He's a he frat can, boy with a heart of gold. Yeah. Yes, like he can rip on a crowd, and it can be real and raw, but it's hilarious. And that person isn't taking it offensively because no, right. they know that ah, I got you know, yeah yeah I've like, been got. <laughs> Here's a here's a story that happened. Did he show you how like uh, Connor's the kind of guy that you should he does it right? Where like I saw a show where a guy was doing badly. He was just doing a bunch of misogynistic jokes. No one liked it. And there was this guy in the front yeah. row who was kind of having a good time, and he and he, and he did it. He was, the guy, the comedian said the setup joke, and it, the joke was so bad and so predictable that the guy in the front row went punchline. Like basically said the punchline for him. And the guy got so mad at him, he started just angrily ripping into this dude to like win the audience back. Yeah. And it was terrible because every person there knew this is coming from an angry place. Yeah. You know, while Connor will like, if someone doesn't laugh at his jokes, he kind of does like the opposite of thing I do with the recovery where he'll be like, oh, so you're all a bunch of purists, I see. Yeah. You know, and he'll start ripping on the audience as a general we to win them back instead of just like saying, look at this loser. I remember I went to one of it was a show that Connor was throwing, but you were also performing. Okay, that sounds right. And one of the other comics that was there was a Middle Eastern guy. I don't remember his name. He was doing. Was he Mar? I don't remember. Oh, I shouldn't. He, I know, he he loves being ripped on, so it's fine. Was he, he was bigger? No. Oh, never no. mind. No, but the dude was awesome. He was really funny. But there was a he hit a lull in his set where he was kind of like bombing mm. a little bit and then started getting some hecklers and mm. they were drunk in the back. As always, but there the heckling was geared towards you know a racist or something very racist usually like like, make me laugh aladdin and things like that and i just remember i was like oh my god i can show you your wife but his his comeback was the hit of the show oh i bet yeah because he took it and he was like oh yeah and he like accepted it but then ripped on this guy in such a funny way where i was like this is so great like he turned he used that and made the set oh, yeah. even better. And it, he really had a good comeback. Because he knew who to hit up, like oh, rip yeah. up. Because he's like, hey, I'm not good. This guy clearly sh- outed himself as like a racist yuha. So oh, let me just yeah. r- trash on you to win everybody <laughs> back. Thanks for giving the opportunity. That was a good comic. I got to figure out who that was. Absolutely. Because like, yeah, that's that's the move. You got it was a, it was a move. Just don't um, be rattled. Just got to be like Clint Eastwood on that bitch. Just look at him <laughs> and just like, <laughs> you can't heckle me. Anyway, uh, yeah, he felt like he was on fire at that moment. I was like, good for that's, him. That's another thing. If I'm absolutely blitzed up there and you're a heckler, I will laugh at anything you say. <laughs> and that's the ultimate defense mechanism. My coworker, Bella, sober is the day she is born all the time, but yeah. she loves calling rude customers silly to their face. And it's the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> I've gotten to this point at work, too, where like in the most respectful way, respectful. calling people out respectfully, mm-hmm. where I'm not going to get in trouble at work right. for it. But if you're being obnoxious, obnoxiously rude i will respond so like for instance you know let's do some improv let's do some improv yeah what's up you know so you're a really grouchy customer you come in you're angry and you're just bitching about everything that's not in my control and you're taking it out on me this is my foot tapping (laughs) hey (laughs) how are you today oh wow finally here to free uh hi uh, here's my id and i throw it at like the glass do they ever like flick it off the glass or something listen they whip like they like hockey puck their their id and it like literally air hockeys across the thing like i've had ids fling past me and hit the floor and i just look at it and i'm like i look at them and then they're just staring at me like you're gonna get that and i'm like who do you think I am? I don't get paid enough for this. I'd be like, back of the line. <laughs> I'd be like, toodles. <laughs> I wish. See you, know? you in 40 minutes, dick face. I would, sorry, I can't work in your job. <laughs> no, but I, I will literally be like, 
I'll look down and be like, all right, well, I know that we need some weed, you know, to feel better yeah, right, today. Yeah, there it is, and then yeah. it's like, a, then the guy's like, oh, because now he's called out yeah, right. in a way that's me not being angry mm-hmm. or being rude or bitchy back. You're just registering I'm it. lighthearted and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I see we need our weed today. And then all of a sudden the guy, you know, the person's like, oh, you know, they kind of lighten up a little bit. Sometimes people are like, they still are not feeling mm-hmm. it and they're they're still in that mood. And I'm like, what's wrong? It's yep. got you mad. Mm-hmm. I'm also kind of mad today too, you know. And like, and then they're like, "Oh, well, they're addressing this yeah. Ooh, in a wow. in a in a." They do it because they think you can. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, "It's okay. It's gonna be fine. Like, I got you. Like, I got your weed. You're good." And I'm doing the transaction. If it's a hurry up, I'm like, "Oh, you don't want me to lose my job, would you?" Then that means the line would be much longer. No, no, no. I'm gonna, <laughs> you know what I mean? So ten like out of ten. that ten kind out of ten, thing yeah. where it's like a, I'm talking to them like they're my friend. Yeah. Where it's like, no, you don't want that. Let's just. Let's let's diffusing. Let's, yeah, diffusing in a yeah. in a chill way where I'm almost cracking jokes, being lighthearted. Mm-hmm. They're cool with it. I'm cool with it. And at the end of the like, I've had interactions where people start off awfully rude to me, oh, yeah. and I've reacted in that way. And now they come in and they're excited to see me because I didn't react in a sh- like a shitty way back. Well, I'm just yeah. like yeah, blah, blah blah. Well, like some people, like that's the thing about like certain people in the world. There's like they know they're assholes, they're jerks, they're yeah. people because that's just who they are and they refuse to change. And they know that retail is this magical wonderland where, you know, it isn't like all their loved ones or family members that can talk back when they're terrible. No, those right. people literally will lose money if they're if they retaliate in any way shape or form. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get all my my bitchiness out here and like it's like and that's and then sometimes like i like me like i'm five years into my job so it's kind of just like <laughs> like the thing i'll do is if like i walk up and go like, good morning and they'll just like bark the order at me i'll be like oh cool by the way i said good morning <laughs> like i'll just like did you did you did you hear that i said good i morning. wonder if you heard me i said it really <laughs> clearly to your face when you threw your uh, three dollars that are weirdly damp on the counter uh no yeah that are all individually rolled up oh and like God. crumbled up oh, you, ever, just, you ever been oh, given like a that. bunch of crumbles and you just take your sweet time on crumbling the treasure map they bundled up and like, it's always the people that are in a massive yeah, rush right? too where it's like well now your transaction's gonna take longer because i have to and you stood there and had time yeah. to unfold all that it. time in the line you're you worrying know? about you couldn't straighten out your yeah. four your 15 ones yeah and then you're gonna get mad at me oh my goodness i can't child get away from me <laughs> just like there's times where i literally uh i have to like oh if there's not like a thousand drinks still like a customer will do something to me and i'll be like <laughs> and like i'll just like not do it because i'm five years in the game i can't i'm too close to retirement you know <laughs> and uh i i handle i hand them their thing and like i'll i'll like leave and it's at the point now where my, my where like co-workers just went it's good that he's learned to leave <laughs> yeah i think the cra- i think the funniest thing that's ever happened to me is like i think someone went up to me and just like shouted something at me, like, like he's like, "Am I gonna get a straw or something?" And I just turned to him and I went, "Do you want to try that again?" And he yeah. went, "Can I, can I get a straw? You may." <laughs> just because yeah, it's absolutely. like I don't know, man. Like I'm a human being, bro. I ain't no animatronic from the Hall of Presidents. I am a human yeah. being. <laughs> Come absolutely. on, absolutely. And any any service worker, like, no, yeah, support it, your local baristas. I I used to be a barista at Starbucks, and I, it was an awful time to be honest because. You can make a drink exactly how someone makes it or re- ordered it or requested it, and it's still not good enough. And you're like, well, then you make your own coffee at home. No, yeah. It's... Like, I did it how you wanted it made with our standards of measurements, and it's still not good enough for you. Like, I Get can't. Out of my face. And it, you've remade a drink three times, and oh. you're like, I'm not doing it again. Like, no, no yeah. someone else do it because I can't. At my, this my, point. New, my new thing uh, is, and these people only ever do this when there's like seven, when there's like 12 people waiting around them. But like, whenever someone makes me remake a drink, only when the drink is like nearing two stickers because of how many modifications Mark, there are, yeah. when they ask for the remake, what I do is, and usually there's enough people where it doesn't seem too out of place that I'm shouting it, but I will read the drink out loud. You want me to remake? And then I will proceed for the next like 40 seconds to read out the drink. You want that remake? And, at the end, and she'll go, yeah. And I'll be like, fantastic. I'll get right on that. So that every person who, who is now has to wait is like, Knows oh, why. that's, that was, uh, he's probably still working on pump 23 of caramel. You know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's that. And it's like after five years, you just learn. And I think with like the, dis, the, the dispo, you're definitely going to be like a ninja with jujitsu of that. Just like, oh, someone needs their weed. Yeah. Or um, another one, if they ever do the slide thing, it was like, ah, oh, damn it. I left my air hockey thing at home. Something like that. Oh, one point to you. Oh, one point you, but next time. Next you're time. Dead. Yeah. You know what you should do? Oh, girl, you know what you should do? You should literally get an air hockey thing that you have under the counter. So when you return it, you're like. <laughs> oh, my God. 
I would get fired immediately, <laughs> oh, but no. oh, for comedy's no. sake, I feel like if it were a customer, you gotta that, be selective. With if it was a customer done. where I knew them and it was yeah. like we like, had that, a relationship that, <laughs> that way, yeah, you come up, you, you should do it for the bit just so to see what my coworkers say because I feel like that would be funny. Let's play a fun game of things that would get you fired. Um, <laughs> no, 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 I'm kidding. Uh, no, no, one more, one more. This is the only fired. one, only one. Hey, I'm saying it fully, and you are. I, I remember that. Okay, I want that recorded noise of her going, no, 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 no. So she doesn't want me to do this. So anyway, this is what it is. Uh, where like, if someone's like really grumpy and like really overtly yeah. rude and they give you the car, you should just like look at the car and go, like, don't look so grumpy in the picture. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to like be, hold on, this is the only condition. You have to be dressed up like an old lady. <laughs> don't look so grumpy in the picture. Now yeah, I'm, I'm going to start when <laughs> my coworkers, Halloween. shout out to my coworkers. If you're listening to this, if I start coming to work dressed up in outrageous costumes, you understand why now. We've had a pleasure talking to you and listening to you today, Tyler. So thank episode. you so much for coming on here and chit-chatting and laughing with me. Um, I think this is probably the episode I've laughed the most in. And and obviously, because Tyler is a comedian, he's a writer, he's such a talented guy. Can you plug anything that you're working on or any projects you want to be known? Um, It's so fun because we did just get this, um, but I just don't have a date for it, unfortunately. But like in November, we are going to be having the Untitled Sketch Show round twos uh, uh, auditions, which is going to be in November at some time when the... uh, administration gives us a good time for that and then me sure. and katie our co-director who i did it with last year katie horn shout out uh we're gonna be doing the same kind of formula almost exactly in terms of scheduling wise where november auditions uh casting that next day and then uh from late november to basically late march they we are just like writing a bunch of scripts awesome over 40 of them bring them down to like the 13 that we'd put on in a show in april awesome and um first off i did attend the first yeah, you did an original untitled sketch show and i laughed my ass off the cast did so well it was so well put together the writing was great it was wild how it was, well it went <laughs> it was wild because very similar to like an snl style sketch oh, yeah. show just you know different bits and it was so funny um, I enjoyed my night and I almost wished it was longer because right. I was enjoying myself so much. A very and that's, tight 50 minutes. <laughs> yeah, and that was a beautiful problem to have, though, where I was oh, like, yeah. I enjoyed this so much. I wish there was more. Um, but if you guys are interested, who can audition for this? Uh, it's open. It's completely open community alumni and you know students at Lewis University, which is where it's going to be taking place, huh? at the Philip Lynch Theater, uh, which is the academic theater on the college campus in uh, Romeo juliet area and it is just like a show that is open to the community we had two community members four alumni and like six students or something like that amazing or something like around that number it's probably like off by one or two but either way it was a very good mix we uh, we liked having community members because you know it was just a cool way to uh you know really like because what we did was we paired people up for writing of the process so like a lot of, we started out with pairing people who know each other who or at least really social people who don't know anybody and then we started like you know pairing it with more and more people who like don't really write together so like we just had a great you know just slew of 30 sketches that we all read on one day together which was right. a fun big table read that we ha- got to have oh that i'm sure that was hilarious oh my god we read 40 <laughs> scripts uh and it was just so fun so cool and uh by the end of it we all democratically vote on each script and the yeah. fact that, and like, it's so funny, me and Katie say, like, we were fully ready to fudge the numbers, but we did not have to. <laughs> Everyone voted evenly for an even spread of, like, 10 scenes. It was like, Perfect. when we talk about lightning in a bottle when it comes to this show, like, it was just so great. It's on YouTube, actually. Shit. Um, if you type in an untitled sketch show, it should be under Katie Horn's uh, YouTube channel. And I will go ahead and link that for yeah, you guys, too. That'll so be awesome. yeah. if you guys have 50 minutes of your day where you're smoking and want to laugh, oh, I yeah. highly recommend going over to YouTube and watching it. And uh, just acknowledging some awesome people's work. They did great. And speaking of acknowledging, because of that awesomely edited and filmed video done by our Brendan Rook. Our <laughs> Brendan Rook. Yay, Brendan. Yay, Brendan Rook. He's probably like, yeah, you better fucking plug me. Yeah. <laughs> Sincerely, no, yeah. anything Sincerely. that I do, Brendan 100%. is the heart of it. Like, That's been the... I am the voice of it, and he's the yeah. heart of it. And I couldn't do what I do without him. And a lot of people in our, our friend group are feeling the same way. He, 100%. He does so much work for everyone. And... I just want to take a moment to really acknowledge him because this podcast was truly made possible by, right, by Brendan Rook. So, and um, Brendan Rook, get the job done. He does. <laughs> he, he's a one in a million guy. So, but um, absolutely, I would love to have people come and follow you. Is there any social oh, media? Oh, yeah. You know what? What is my Twitter? Um, it's one of those things where like I use it so weirdly, but yeah. I don't really care. Um, 
I just I, I just started using the fingerprint unlock today, so I'm just not used to it. Congrats. Um, what, what is my Twitter? My Twitter is um, Senjanin T. I know, the worst one I could have picked. Um, S-E-N-J-A-N-I-N-T. It's my last name, then my first letter, my first name. Perfect. Senjanin T. Follow him on Twitter, and I'm sure you'll keep us updated with all of your endeavors with oh, writing yeah. and the second Untitled Sketch Show, which I didn't know was in the process, so I'm super excited oh, yeah. about. It's been, we've been waiting on a green light, so I haven't been too public with it, sure. but we finally got it, and uh, with some alterations to the contract, which will be really good for me and Katie to put it on the road if we want to. Absolutely. No, yeah. And um, also, one more thing. I mm-hmm. think we're forgetting about something else we should plug. It's just crits. It's uh, just crits. It's just crits, and is a is a offshoot of It's Just Bits, which is a podcast my friend Connor Ford and Kellen Frank do. Uh, the offshoot D and D podcast is It's Just Crits, which is the one I'm going to be recording later tonight. Actually, so that's you're be just a fun. podcast man today, dude. I'm doing two podcasts today. I'm a straight up white male. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I uh, I'm doing um, this this one, which was super fun because we yeah. have to just get a little high and talk about being high. Good. And then later tonight, I play my Warforged wizard named Protech. <laughs> I love that for you (laughs) you're uh you're jekyll and high you know my jekyll and high no yeah it's fun because uh i don't really drink over there anymore because it's just like drinking in the city is just like lighting money on fire it is Uh, (laughs) so i um i just smoke when i go down there and we just get a pizza so i'm looking forward to a good night (laughs) i hope that that recording goes well tell tell the friends i said hi i will i'll be plugging the shit out of this show uh tonight um yeah, I think I should be able to do that. Yeah, definitely. We do a we do like a post after recording that's just like previously on it's just crits. I'll slap it right in there. Oh, <laughs> previously previously on it's just crits. Tyler was not here and he was uh, smoking and doing a smoking podcast. I'm here. You see the sound of a door <laughs> He's being like, open. Hey guys, I'm here. Hey guys, <laughs> it's so funny because like I have to drive to Lakeshore to get to his yeah. place and it's a it's Monday. Oh, it's a fucking Monday. Good luck, buddy. Is Monday going north on Lakeshore terrible? What time? Uh, probably four forty five. Probably. Yeah. I'm also going to be headed down to the city today for mm. Harry Styles. Where is that one at? United Center. Oh, shit. So he cause, canceled. That's probably going to cause the yeah. jams that be I'm. Be careful because that's going to be like all week. No, no, you're good. I, I'm so. only going downtown yeah. tonight and that's it. I think um, we could also cut this out, Brendan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah. But absolutely. Tyler, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thank I'm, you for having me. <laughs> I would love to have you on again in the future. Anytime. Um, but go follow Tyler if you are interested in auditioning for the Untitled Sketch Show Part Dos. Part um, <laughs> Reach out to Tyler on Twitter and yep, get yep. all that information. Um, and I will see you guys on the next podcast. I won't see you. I have an issue with saying I'll see you. I'll hear you guys. I won't hear you either. Damn. Fuck. Catch you? Catch you on the next episode? Catch you on the flip side. What's a pot term? We got this. Hold on. Um, hold on. Uh, uh, see you at the next circle. See you at the next circle and stay high.